Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Brown, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be having a chat with former South African coach Peter de Villiers after the Springboks dominated England at Twickenham. Plus, we'll be discussing another bad day at the office for Wales and where they go to from here. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Well, we'll get into how your week's been shortly, lads. But firstly, obviously, some heartbreaking news coming out of Scotland with the passing of Dottie Weir over the weekend. Yeah, lost for words, really. We knew the inevitable was on the horizon for anyone that saw Dottie bringing the match ball out only a couple of weeks ago for the game against New Zealand, could see that his health had deteriorated. What I don't want to do is dwell on that image too much. Because the tragedy behind MND is that there's an inevitability about that image of Doddy that we saw. And that image encompassed bravery, pride, so many different things. And you saw the energy in the stadium. But yeah, for me personally, I want to try, and we're not at that point yet, of thinking about how Doddy made us smile. And I've read a load of different things around people making comments or giving their feelings towards the passing of the great Doddy Weir and I'm not a wordsman right as we know on here and it's really difficult to contextualize something that's so powerful yet so emotional but when I was thinking about it and when I heard the news naturally you're shocked naturally even though you know that this dreadful disease of MND there's inevitability about it you try and go through the archives and you think about the effect that someone like Doddy has had on not just me, not just you, Goody, Andy Rowe, producer Rob. I know producer Rob's not ever met him, but he was floored by hearing the news. But you think about the effect that he had on so many people, and we can talk about the effect that he's had on the MND community in terms of the profile raise, the money raise, and all these things. But if you go pre-MND, and I'm not just saying this, and people will know I'm not just saying this, people will know that this is exactly the case. When you walked into a room with Doddy Weir in and you knew he was there, he smiled and you laughed. And having the the power to do that, and it was a power that Doddy Weir had. And people talk about heroes. He's been one of my heroes growing up, not just as a rugby player. I didn't watch too much of his rugby. The Lions tour in 97, the stuff that happened around that, around that was one of the first things that I ever watched. But it was the way in which he held himself after the game. Didn't take himself too seriously. Uh, always had time for people 
And that's what I remember Doddy Weir for, just a man of the people. He was a man of the people and it's really difficult to put into words how I'm feeling and how other people are feeling. All I'm thinking about really is his family and his boys and the people that were really close to him. And also the amazing work and what he's done for the MND community. They're the headline things that I'm thinking and I'm sure stories will come out no doubt over the coming days and weeks and months as we start to remember him. But Andy Rowe, Goody, as you know, I know that you've got thoughts on Doddy as well. It's it's just incredibly sad. And there's a lot of good people in this world, right? There's not a huge amount of great, great people. And Doddy Weir falls into that category of just great human beings. And he'll be sorely and sadly missed. Certainly will. Um, his impact on life generally when, you know, pre-MND... He is the epitome of what is a legend. So if you hear the stories and start listening to people that knew him sort of pre-MND and spoke about him so fondly then, and as Jim said, he was um, you know, someone that brought a smile to everyone's face and someone that completely dominated a room without even wanting to dominate a room because of laughter and smiles and his wit and everything like that. And then to see the fight and everything that he had, the inspiration that he created... Obviously, with the links, you know, to Ed Slater and obviously Rob Burrow and his awareness of M&D and what he's raised and created, not just the, the huge amount of cash that everyone that's got behind the My Name's Doddy Foundation and um, all the other motor neuron disease foundations that have been supported by people like Kevin Sinfield, uh, the Rob Burrow story and everything like that. He has put M&D fully on a map. Now, I'm reading today things around red tape, around the £50 million pounds that the government had promised to deliver in terms of research and trying to fight the disease. Now, that doesn't happen without Doddy Weir. doesn't happen without Sir Kevin Sinfield and everyone that has supported Doddy and actually everyone that's just backed Doddy because of what Doddy was doing. So he's touched the hearts of millions of people. You know, our thoughts are obviously with his wife, Kathy, and his sons. You know, he's a true inspiration, someone that even if you didn't know him, and I didn't really know him, I've met him a few times in my career, then you got to meet him um, and he just put a smile on people's faces and you were in awe of him really, weren't you, in terms of his fight, his desire to make a difference. And I think, yeah, we've been to dinners where he's spoken. He was given two years to live and obviously um, he used to joke about the fact that he's absolutely smashing MND out of the park and it's incredibly sad. And, um, you know, you take inspiration from everything that he did from the day of his diagnosis to the to the end and um what a guy he'll be missed massively by everyone in the rugby community but we look back with happiness and joy at everything that he achieved as a person as a player um and then ultimately his fight with such a horrific disease and how much awareness that's raised and hopefully that will benefit a lot of people in the future with um more research going into it and evidently hopefully at some point a cure this isn't my tribute to doddy it's his tribute to the world and this was an extract from his book as he signed off. So it says, so that's my A to Z of life and how to live it. I hope you've had a bit of a laugh, maybe a wee cry, and have taken on some of my own positive thinking. Whatever your situation, make the most you can of each and every day. Be nice to people and laugh as much as possible. And when life gives you lemons, pop them into a large G&T. A hugely inspirational man and... Um... Well, usually I'd ask you how your week's been now, boys, but it's quite a difficult one to move on from, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And look, trying to segue out of that into, I don't see this as his job, but into the kind of role that we play into rugby. 
And I know that Doddy was a big listener of the podcast and he enjoyed what we were doing and we've had him on before. And I know that he would want us to carry on as normal and be abusing each other and making people laugh ultimately in what's been a sad week. So I just think we crack on into that and we talk about how bad Andy Rowe you were on Thursday night hosting. <laughs> I in was Leicester. okay. I thought I was good. Okay. Okay, I'll give you, yeah. That, mm. That's the point, Andy. You thought you were good. So yeah, <laughs> bit of context for our listeners. We had a dinner at Leicester on Thursday. I've never seen a host in my life not be able to shush a room as badly as you, Andy Rowe. Shut he, up. Pi- Shut up. Pi- he picks up the mic and he's like, yes, um, yeah, Andy Rowe here um, from the Andy Shut Rowe up. show. Uh, everyone, sh- no one could hear you. you got to fucking shout at them. you got to go wild. There's a bunch of pissheads at the front just abusing Jim left, right and centre, shouting out, show us your bush. Uh, and then there's a load of blokes at the back who are a bit older and quite put the hearing aid on. I think they fell asleep as well. But it was good to be back at Leicester, wasn't it, Jim? Yeah, it was, yeah. Like I said to the crowd, not that they were listening a huge amount to me because Andy Rowe couldn't get them to be quiet. But <laughs> it's a weird place for me to go because, like, I was a young lad there. I was a tearaway when I was at that club, Goody, as you know, and I've got some amazing memories. Not that I, f- I don't feel a fraud's the wrong word, but going back and people have come to watch us do what we're doing, it's quite humbling, a little bit weird. But I just see Leicester as like Martin Johnson, Cosme Oldbush, Backy, the ABC club, and a number of other greats thrown into the mix. And the fact that we're on stage talking about rugby, I feel and felt slightly like underqualified. But I was with Andy Good, one of the highest point scorers in the Prem. So you made it easier for me and more comfortable and told them how shit I was at rugby. And then that settled the nerves. So how did you guys recover from that? Did you get up to anything else? Over the weekend? Oh, mine was a weekend of work, to be honest. I came home Friday. Missus was trying to work out, why do you need to stay up in Leicester? Well, well I need to have about 20 beers. <laughs> 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 need to have about 20 beers. But uh, yeah, no, came back Friday, did the whole dad thing, picked the kids up from school, fed them, had a salad with them because I was feeling bad about myself. And then on Saturday, took them to uh, watch their nativity play in the morning. They do a little uh, acting thing at Stagecoach. So we watched that and then I was straight to Twickenham for brilliant chat pre-match in terms of the hope that England finished really well last weekend. And so everyone was buzzing in the stadium and then we realised the game was absolutely shocking and England were poor. And we'll get onto that in a bit. And then Sunday I was up at Leicester. So a busy weekend of work for me. More importantly, James, it wasn't a weekend of work for you. It looked like you had a fun weekend. Yeah, I did actually. I was going to question it and second guess myself. I, yeah, I had a, a weekend off. So Leicester Thursday, and then Friday, caught up with some old Saracens friends. Uh, energy givers, great lads. So, Can we name them? Yeah, we can, yeah. Nils Moore, Charlie Hodgson was asking for you. Uh, Tim Strether, who's look, I don't know whether he's looking at me or not, but he was definitely there. Chris Wiles, Hayden Smith, uh, Nils Moore. So some of the old lads that I played with, just good humans. And they're on like a ski group, so Ski 2020. So just before the pandemic, they all fell out on me because... In February or March, they were all planning on going skiing. I was like, look, the China virus is coming. Like, it's not going to happen. And then some of them have went, some of them went to the airport. And I was like, look, Papa was telling me that this is serious. And then I didn't go. And then Charlie and all the lads fell out of me because of I spread fear into the group chat. So it's taken over two and a half years for them to recover from that. So I, I was back in for the meal on Friday. So enjoyed it. Energy giver. And the fact that you were right with the pandemic, right? Well, exactly. I did say that. I didn't, I didn't want to bring it up. Otherwise, I thought Charlie was going to put the northern head on me. Um, it's a shiny one as well. But yeah, that was good. And then I went to a concert Saturday night with my lovely wife, Rebecca. She tried to hold me hand, though. Like, she was enjoying it that much. I don't hold hands. 
So she wanted to hold my hand. It was in Glasgow, Marcus Mumford, the lead singer of Mumford and Sons, and it was phenomenal. It was absolutely amazing. So I, I held it for 10 seconds, and that was my show of me being in a good mood and happy to be there with her. And did she uh, sort tickets out straight from Mumford himself? Because you got history there. You're good mates, aren't you? Yeah, I've not brought that story up with her. I didn't say that I was with them in Ireland on a night out. I think she knows about it because people have stopped me in the street and said that. No, paid for them. Went straight down the payment avenue. So I actually bought them for my 40th. So thanks, back. Uh, but yeah, loved it. And then not a lot, just caught up with the ruggers. So I've had a lovely, chilled weekend. And we should reference as well that producer Rob's been away for a week and he's back and looks like absolute hell. <laughs> <laughs> the grey man goes to centre parts with the family takes him away he's loving his new job his new role with the rugby pod takes him to centre parks he's in bed all week smart that's the kind of producer that I want is a guy that does that I'm ill I'm ill don't have any time off mid-season Rob that's the moral of the story you just keep going and you get to the summer and you're absolutely fucked well Goody you mentioned you're at Twickenham what went wrong for England mate? everything let's just start as we mean to go, absolutely everything went wrong. And you can look at it in two ways. South Africa were brilliant in how they played, how they approached the game. They dominated every facet of the game. And I actually looked at it and I thought, that's why Jim Hamilton got paid 750 grand a year and had a one-bed flat in Luton for Saris. Because when Maratoji was fucked, you had to bring Jim Hamilton on and Will Skelton for the Moors and the scrums. Because set-piece is king, isn't it? Let's be honest. England got absolutely dominated in every facet of the game. It started pre-match, Eddie Jones talking about taking the game to South Africa and they'd mentioned the World Cup final and we're going to fly out the blocks and play at a great pace and try and run South Africa around and, and put pressure on them. Well, none of that happened. The first three times we got the ball, we kicked it up in the air aimlessly, in my opinion, and South Africa got an easy run into the game and you know, we made errors we were put under pressure by South Africa, but it was the most abject performance I've seen from an England team, probably since I played for England. And even going before that, actually, when I played for England, I wasn't as bad as that, I don't reckon. I beat South Africa at Twickenham once. Not individually, but I came off the bench and made a difference. Do you reckon you'd make this team? No fucking chance, no. But, um, geez, it was uh, depressing. It really was. Like, you're at Twickenham, people are moaning about the cost of the tickets they have done over the last three or four weeks. And then the team put that out there. Think back to what Eddie Jones said pre-Autumn Internationals. He said they want to put smiles on England fans' faces because rugby's in a bit of a dark place in England at the minute after what had happened with Worcester and Wasps. And we've just got more and more depressed, I reckon, during the autumn because it was absolutely shocking. I listened to Manu Tuilangi's interview after the game. And Manu was, you know, it's his 50th cap and you want him to have a great game. And he said, the plan is clear. The messaging and the plan from Eddie Jones is clear. Well, I've watched a lot of ruggers, a lot of other people have. No one can see. And people with greater rugby brains than me are also saying the same thing. Can't see what England are trying to achieve. Um, you know, where do you go with it? The Smith-Farrell axis doesn't work. We've said that now for quite some yes. time. You know, you've got to back one of them at 10 and have the other one on the bench. Um, you know, Henry Slade, who wasn't in the squad at the start of the Six Nations, is probably England's most exciting player, ball in hand over the last few weeks since he's come back into the squad. Oh, you know, we got owned. We tried to match their bomb squad on the bench. Well, 
you know, Mako, brilliant player, ball in hand. Everyone knows, you know, scrummage is not the best. It reminded me of a scrum once at Leicester when Alex Marino, who was our tighter prop at Leicester, when Castro Giovanni was injured and a few other tighter props were injured. We called him the Brown Wings, Mr. Brown Wings, because his head was so far up his ass on a scrum. He was five foot in the air. And Lovely happened, bloke. Yeah, cracking guy. And it happened to Mako Vanapola. Like, Mako was lifting the air. Mal Herber absolutely ate him for breakfast. And it's not just Mako, it's the whole sort of set-piece element of it. We were ill-disciplined. Johnny Hill, what are you doing after the game? Just going around thinking you're well hard when, you know, you're giving silly penalties away. That reminded me of Jim Hamilton as well, actually, some of those penalties. But I don't know, the whole, everything to do with the game. Kicking was poor. Defensively, we were, we were off, you know, even when Freddie Stewart's dropping high balls, and I love Freddie Stewart. He's probably the best in the world or one of the best in the world at taking the high balls. It's just error upon error upon error. And it goes back to the leadership and Eddie Jones and the coaching turnover. Everything's been muddled thinking from Eddie Jones that the turnover of coaches because people don't want to work for him leads to indecision on the field. People don't know what they're meant to be doing. People are scared to do something because of how he is and it leads down that pathway of of real abject performances and fans booing at the end of the game. His comments after the game were really interesting because when they do the press conference and actually I'm a bit different now to how I used to be. I watch them and quite enjoy them. I feel like you get decent insight. They're effectively just doing my job for me by telling me what's happened in the game and and cross-referencing what I already thought. But it was interesting listening to him after the game because he was talking about the positives. Eh? And then he was talking about the World Cup. And what he was saying was they've got to look at different players. They've blooded new players. And it goes back, it goes, but well, this is what I mean. It, well, yeah, they have, you know, a number of players have got caps, haven't they, for example? A, and other a, he, He's put a couple in, he's put Jack Van Portfoot yeah, in, Tommy Freeman. Yeah, they've played Alex Coles as well. We've seen David Ribbon. So we've seen a few, like a handful of guys. But what really frustrates me, and, and again, I've said it a million times and I'll say it again. What has the World Cup got to do with this? It's a test match at the weekend. It's an autumn nation series. It's the six nations around the corner. I just think coaches hide behind losses and when they say they're experimenting I I just think one thing that Andy Farrell said I'm not just giving you a cap for the sake of it to see if you're good enough if you've earned the right to play for Ireland you'll play for Ireland to win games right now and that's where I just feel with Eddie Jones I'm like are these guys that you're giving caps to do you genuinely believe that they're good enough to play in a World Cup final or are you just giving them a cap to see if they might be that's just my opinion in terms of that specifically in terms of handing caps out. I don't like it never have liked it the World Cup a year out has got nothing to do with the here and now in my opinion if you're England I suppose and the expectation is under Eddie Jones and the conversations that he have uh, are having with the RFU is about winning the World Cup then that's different we don't know that that is the case but the fact that he keeps sticking with Marcus Smith Farrell too laggy when he's fit you don't really know who the wingers are like he's, he's interchanged them a few times and you've got the kind of players that we've seen playing in the premiership and carving up in Europe at his disposal there's a part of it where it isn't really good enough is it like in terms of the money and the available players that he's got to pick from and we've had this discussion around Scotland and Gregor Townsend and we're going to get on to Wales and talk about that New Zealand like the pressure that they're under in terms of losing a few games, you look at the games that they've lost. Like they sh- England shouldn't be losing them games. And that is must be the frustration. And like Goody said, going back to that, is the style of rugby that they're playing. Like if you're going to Twickenham and paying that much money, you see a man who get the odd ball on the game line to make a couple of metres, you're like, 
well, what is this? You know, what, what are we paying to see? At least if you're going to watch the All Blacks or Australia, you're being entertained significantly when, they, when they're running with the ball. But yeah, I, I watched that and it weren't great, was it? No. And you talk about those post-match interviews. I'm gonna, you've got to call it out, Jim. So Eddie Jones' post-match interview, here are some of his quotes. This England team isn't far away. What? That isn't far away from what? We were fucking miles away from South Africa at the weekend, let me tell you. Uh, we're going in the right direction. Really? Because the only direction we were going at the weekend was backwards because we got absolutely pumped. Uh, Andrew, I'm loving these analogies. I'm loving these. Keep going. Uh, well, next one. I'm not happy with the results, but we're building a really good base. What base are you building? A pizza base? Camp. base? A base, base camp. Camp. <laughs> Like, uh, it's absolute drivel. Uh, and he's, the last one, he said, we went in there with a good design on how we wanted to play, but it just didn't happen. Has anyone got the nuts at the RFU to hold them to account? Has anyone, you know, we're seeing this review thing come out again. They did a review two years ago and it was like a review of people that, you know, wanted to stay anonymous because they didn't want to be out there. Their name's out there. It's poor. No more, no less. It's absolutely poor. And for the RFU to allow this to happen and, how it's got this bad under Eddie Jones when he said, I'm only here for four years and I'm going to pass it on. We're seven years into it and he's got to go. With the review, do you know if senior players are involved like other countries? Because I know that's the case in in New Zealand. The senior players in the All Blacks, they review after a tournament or after a tour. Well, Andy Rowe, you only need to look at what came out last week when Bill Sweeney was sat there. It looked like they were in court with a DCMS and they were talking around the demise of Worcester and Wasps. And the guy said to him, literally to his face, you're asleep, mate. You're asleep. That's what the guy is telling the head of the RFU. Now, I know this is a completely different subject, but it is the same people that are going to be making the decision on the growth of England rugby, for example. Again, it doesn't really affect me. It doesn't really matter. I'm just giving a very non-biased opinion. But rugby's in a very weird place at the minute in England and at the top of that is the RFU you're looking for England to be a beacon of hope like uh, Eddie Jones said that he wants to inspire the fans he wants to give them something to shout about to be spending significant amount of money to come and watch the game and then on the one hand you've got Bill Sweeney and his mates I don't want to call them cronies it sounds like I'm going too harsh on them who were literally asleep they were asleep at work for two and a half years and now that they've been woken up they're talking about doing a review, whether or not Eddie Jones goes or stays, but he, he's not willing to say who's in bed with him. He literally, he's like, the lads are asleep as well. We don't know if they're the same people that were asleep for the last two years or they're different people. Who are they? So I don't know. We don't know, Andy Rowe. Is it someone like, I don't know, a Will Carlin, a Dino, a Dean Richards, an England great, I'm trying to think, a Martin Johnson who's been burnt by England before. I've got no, is it Andy Goode? Is it TMO Andy Good? I'll tell you now. I'll be honest. It's not. It's not me. It's not me. But this is the thing, though. So that they are hiding behind a cloak of secrecy, and you know, apparently the people that are on the committee wanted to stay anonymous. So again, in terms of leadership, like you said, Jim, you need leadership, and you need someone to say these are the people that are holding this accountable. And I've said it loads of times. There's no one at the RFU with any rugby nous. Conor O'Shea's there, but I don't know whether Eddie Jones answers to him. I don't think he does. You know, Conor O'Shea's obviously got a big history at Harlequins and sort of top-tier coaching, been involved with Italy. But who are these people that are reviewing something that Eddie Jones is reviewing to them about the camp and everything like that? Are these people living and breathing rugby every day or are they just 
as Will Carlin put many years ago, one of the 57 old farts on the committee. Now, I'm not saying that is the case. But, but we know it is the case. <laughs> but Jim says it's the case. I saw Austin on Sunday at Leicester. He was working for BT and Austin said, Eddie Jones is getting sacked this week. So maybe Austin's on the committee, who knows? But I'm sure you probably hear about it if Austin was on the committee. Or maybe the RFU don't want to reveal who it is and put those people under pressure. There's too much secrecy. And again, it goes back to the governance of the game, how it's run. Everyone's asleep and I'm pretty good at sleeping. So get me on there. And farting. It needs a complete refresh. And we go back to Razor. I know that Goody's been all over Scotty Robertson. I am as well. It feels like we need someone. I say we, I'm English now. Look at me. England needs someone <laughs> that is an energizer that just gives everything heart. So I'm not saying Eddie Jones doesn't. I'm not, but not someone who's coming in talking about riddles. And I like Eddie Jones. I respect him. Yeah, what they need is an energizer. And I'm not saying that Eddie Jones isn't. Like, he takes a lot of the flack on himself. You hear him talk about uh, the media. It's all, it's my fault. It's my fault. But you talk about access to players. You talk about hashtag growing the game. We can get into that another time. But frankly, lads, I'm done. I'm dropping the mic. I'm off. Press pause, press stop, whatever it is. I'm out of here. I'm on it, though. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Good. <laughs> yeah. I'm back. Yeah, back. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back. The last thing I'll say on it in terms of where can England go. Now, I spoke to a few people. Obviously, some people are thinking the RFU haven't got money to pay people out or buy people out of contracts. Other people are saying there's plenty of money there to do that if they had the desire and the will. Mike Brown spoke to him at the weekend, saw him after playing for the Barbars for the last two weeks. He said, and he's been in Eddie Jones' environment, he knows these players, he said he's just had the best two weeks of rugby under Ron Nogara and Scott Robertson. And he said those two would be ideal to get the best out of all the talent in England as England head coaches. So, you know, you've got someone of experience there from both sides of the coin, having been involved with England under Eddie. And he gets, you know, he said, they've got to work hard. You have to work hard. Of course you do, but you've got to have fun with it as well. And I don't reckon there's much fun being had by that England squad at the minute. Yes, Andrew. I th- That's it. I think they're scared of Eddie Jones. And I think you bring in Scotty Robertson and Moan Nogara, you're going to work hard, but you're going to play hard as well. And that brings out success. You might not be able to see until Wednesday. Like, I don't know if you saw how funny it was their eyes for <laughs> yeah. the team photo for the Barbars. I know it's very different, but Goody, you're absolutely right. Like, at, it's fun. You want them to be fun. You want it to be engaging. You want fucking breakdancing. You want eyeball Paul after games by the coaches. Bring us it, please. Come on. Like, you can't have this. It's a joke. Do you think Eddie's lost the dressing room? I think what he does is rule on fear. Uh, there's a lot of players in that squad that are fearful of making mistakes and it comes out in how they play. I don't. As he lost the dressing room, players aren't going to come out and say that openly. He's got Farrell as his sort of right hand man. Farrell obviously is a very, very strong character uh, in terms of how he dictates things in that in that squad, which is a very positive thing at times. No one. It's like every coach, right? No one's going to come out really and say anything bad about the coach until the coach is gone. Chris Ashton spoke to him recently about it. He said he came back and was desperate to play for England. When he had the whole thing, we joked and laughed about it on here. He left too long to come back to Sale because he wanted to play for England again. And that first Autumn Internationals, he got picked, played against the All Blacks. And then he was in camp with Eddie Jones and he said he absolutely hated it. He said it was brutal. It was like ridiculous on him, the body, his family and everything. And he said he wasn't enjoying it, so he didn't want to play for England again. And if that doesn't speak volumes, everyone should be going down to England camp as hungry as you can be to want to pull on an England jersey and perform and try and take England to a, a, as high a place as you can, which next year is a Six Nations and a World Cup. I don't reckon they've got that. Of course, they want to win, but you know, have we got that desire? 
you know, to go all the way for Eddie Jones. I don't know. He doesn't look like it in our performances at the minute, does it? Well, we can get a South African perspective on that performance from the weekend and have a chat now with former Springboks head coach Peter de Villiers. How are you, mate? I'm fine. Thank you so much um, for actually allowing me on, on your on your show. I mean, I waited so long for you guys just to just to take notice of me and, <laughs> and give me this opportunity to speak to you. And, and yeah, I hope that we will have a great show tonight. Yeah, awesome, Peter. It's great to have you. We we have asked Rassi as well ten times, but now he's banned. So you were always second in line if he wasn't going to come through. So we appreciate it. Um, what are you doing now? Because we've just seen you before we've recorded. You've got a PA. What's the lay of the land in your world, Peter? At this stage, um, I'm trying to give back whatever I got out of this game. There's still a lot of people, a lot of fans. I mean, we sit now with, with 14,000 followers on Facebook still. And um, we're trying to give back, and now I'm helping the, the, the Dev Rugby team to prepare for the World Cup. So um, I'm enjoying it because I'm, I'm learning something from them, you know. Uh, they don't make a hell of a lot of noise, but, <laughs> but, they, but they do actually focus better than some of, some of those double-minded English players like Andy. When you tell them, when you tell them something, they want to do their own thing, you know, and then they always bugger it up for you. But I really enjoy it. <laughs> there we go, Peter. You've never coached me, but obviously my reputation precedes me from my days in in South Africa. But what a great thing, obviously, being part of coaching the, the deaf side there. How, how did you get into that? Because obviously, there's different strands to rugby. The women's game is growing, but uh, as well. But how, how did you get into that? Well, Andy, Andy, yeah, he um, actually introduced me to Lauren the vice president of Dev Rugby. And um, she asked me, and then I said, okay, I'm doing nothing at, at the stage. So that can be my CSI program in just giving back to the community. And I can tell you that, that the interest has grown so much on, 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 on that side of the game. Um, everywhere now clubs is growing and standing up and people want to be part of it. So yeah, maybe my, my, my presence made a, a big, a big influence in, in and what they want to achieve. I'm sure it has. And Peter, what about the lay of the land of rugby in South Africa? We've seen the teams now playing in the URC. South Africa still a successful team. We saw that at the weekend. Uh, what is the lay of the land generally for rugby union in South Africa? Yeah, uh, South Africa is a, is a, is a, is a country, um, a rugby country, as I can call it like that. They don't really realise um, how much talent they do produce through their, through their schooling systems, you know. Some schools will have up to 12, 14 teams, you know. And then I'm, then I'm only talking about, about your, your under-19 teams. So there will always be a hell of a lot of talent. And I, and I, and I think we don't actually manage it um, to the best of our, of our abilities. The one thing that we got right is that we want people to follow us. And if you've seen the URC today, most of the of the of the European teams, they European teams, they are following the the style of play of South Africa, and they forget what made them good, you know. And um, for us, we like it because now we don't have to contend with another mindset. We just we just do what they are giving us, and because we can do it good, you know, we do it every every Saturday, every week at school rugby, club rugby, every week. So. Um, yeah, I think we got a big problem. Uh, not you, the, the the whole world's got a big problem because they try to copy so much this game, which is built around the individual and not around the system. You know, 
Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Obviously, it's quite frightening that South Africa can produce player after player and the school system there is so strong. Talking about South African rugby being on a high at the minute and the development of young players is fantastic, but the development of that South African Springbok team at the minute, people looked at it before the game on Saturday and saw a load of big players missing, the likes of Cheslin Colby, Peter Stefter Toy Band, a few others weren't able to play, Vincent Cock as well, but my goodness, what a team that was and, and some of the fines of the likes of Arensa on the wing, um, it was ridiculous. What were your thoughts on the game? It was a massive performance. I couldn't see any area that England even competed in, let alone bettered the Springboks in. It was a complete performance from you guys, wasn't it? Yeah, let me tell you, if you look at the individual brilliance of some of the players who were allowed uh, to, to become in space, it's because of the non-existing type of, 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 of game that England brought to the, to the field, you know. They wanted to beat South Africa on a kicking game. You might as well drop Marcus Smith on Wednesday, on Thursday, they didn't allow him to go to the field because he will never be able to, to play that kind of rugby kicking balls away when there's so much space for him to run in, you know. He's a, he's a quite Cooper kind of guy at times where he will create something out of nothing, you know. But for him to play strict to a, to a, to a pattern where you kick away the ball, you can see what happened to, to, to New Zealand rugby when Bowden Baird start kicking away all the ball and they're not living to what they were doing the best. So on Saturday... England brought South Africa into the game more than, than South Africa actually did it themselves this whole year. Uh, Peter, what's the lay of the land with Rassi over there? What are the conversations being had amongst media and ex-coaches and the public really on, call it his behaviour, but his comments around uh, social media, what he's been putting on there. I know John Smith came out and said it's made the box easy to dislike them. So, And that's quite a big statement coming from one of the greatest captains to have played for South Africa. Yeah, I think it's very indifferent at this stage here in this country. Um, if you look at our media, they went numb on this whole thing. Um, and, I, and, I, and I'm not surprised uh, because they, they actually don't understand um, what this game is made of truly, you know. Um, what you see on that field in 80 minutes is only 5%. For them, not, not pulling him in, in, in back into line, you know. For SA Rugby, not to pull him back. And to and to tell him what what they actually want as a, as a, as a team, that the values around the game, the norms, and those kind of things. So yeah, it's a lot of individuals, a lot of ex Springboks who who is not very happy with him. But let's see when he come back, because you know in this country, right has become wrong, and wrong has become right. Yeah, they certainly do. And my my take on it, just for. A bit of interest. I'm interested to know what your take on it. I actually completely agree with a lot of what he's saying. And when he puts the videos out, you can't not watch them and go, well, he's he's right in what he's saying, but is it just the wrong forum? I mean, I understand it started with the 62-minute video that he put out after the British and Irish Lions' first test. Um, and maybe 62 minutes was a bit long, could have kept it to 59. Uh, but it was, you know, for me, it was educational for a lot of people. I'm still trying to work out whether it's a genius tactic or it's against the values of the game. Where do you sit with it? Because it is an education to people, isn't it, for, for, for some of the videos that are going out there? Andy, that is not the game. That is not the game. The game, the game is made up out of, of, of milliseconds, quick decisions for players and for referees. Things that, that you miss, but you don't even know you missed it um, until you sit back and, and think of, yo, um, I could have stepped there because the guy's uh, over thread there, you know. For you to go sit 14, 15, 16 till 25 hours 
watching a thing over and over, you'll pick up so many bad things. What my take on this whole thing is, why didn't he, why didn't he put out the bad things that the Springboks were allowed to do? Then to me, it was a, a just call because then he wants to show how bad the spring, the, 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 the referee is on his judgment calls, you know. But for whenever we lose to go sit there and, and show how, how what he missed here, what he missed there, and he had the time to replay and replay and replay and then made the videos. This is not what our game, Jim, uh, uh, is all about. This our game, our game is the strength of running over somebody and competing, and those. This is what our game is all about. But it became so soft nowadays. And with this little thing, I don't, I don't think that that we want to be exposed so much of our weaknesses in in, in being part of the game. Um, I mean, I do things wrong. You do things wrong. If you go look at all your games now, both of you two guys, and you go sit and look at what you could have done, what you didn't do. I ain't gonna lie, I was awful. Yeah, me too. Be honest, Pete, I was as well, mate. We're missing up our lovely game with it. Yeah, absolutely. So you disagree with some of the, the way that he's gone about it. What do you think about the wider game? So now you've had a bit of time away from the top table. When you look on the outside looking in, there's a lot going on in England, the demise of two clubs. Uh, the concussion take and everything around the growth of the game. We've seen that around some of the internationals, the poor atmosphere, etc. What's your take on a kind of rounder scale of the game of rugby at the minute, Peter? Has it grown since you were in the hot seat of South Africa, would you say? I don't think the game has grown. I, I, I think the game has, has lost its identity fully. For me, uh, running into you, Jim, it will be the stupidest thing that, that I ever did in my life, but I know. If I run at a certain angle and I get my feet off the ground, I might get, get you off the field. You, under, you understand? And that's not what this game is all about. If you look at scrummaging, if you look at scrummaging, we penal, penalize teams for not being strong. Uh, when, when in the scrum, when some team pushes them backward, it's immediately a penalty. And I mean, how the hell can you penalize somebody who's already been penalized not to be at your, at your level? Those are the things that I think this game... Um, if you tackle a guy, if you don't roll away quickly, you're going to be pinned. If you keep him, if you hold, hold him too long, you're going to be pinned. If you don't hold him, he's going to run away again. Uh, I think we made the laws silly so that the referees who's not uh, competent can, 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 can fit into the game. Another thing to me that's very, very bad at, at, in the game that, that, we, that we are watching at this stage is that nobody's taking responsibility for any decisions that they make. Uh, it's not me, it's a TMO. Uh, it's not the TMO, it's my assistant ref. Everybody's blaming or listening to somebody else. Now, who is the sole judge of this game that made it so nice for me and you to, to hide behind that little things, you know, that made it great? Um, nobody did see me. Wow, look at the, the, the blue eye the guy got. I loved it. I really still love it, you know, um, because this, this game is built on fear. If, if, if you can, can get your opponent's fear quicker than what you will get yours. Your chances of getting him out of the game is, 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 is so much, much, much bigger. But at this stage, nobody is fearing anything because the referee is, is, is standing there like a Sunday school teacher and say to the guy, but your tie is not properly knotted, so you can't come into my class or rather go sit on the bench. This is where this game is going at this moment to me. Yeah, and if you're Jim Hamilton, you weren't scared of anything, were you, Jim? Well, I didn't have my tie on properly at school, so. (laughs) (laughs) 
Let's talk uh, the next year then, obviously. That's the Springboks done for this season uh, in terms of 2022. 2023 starts with some games over in South Africa and then the Rugby Championship leads into the World Cup. You're obviously defending champions. Are you back in the Springboks to, to bring home the bacon again or is it so wide open that we see an international rugby and, and how exciting is that at the minute? The way the way world rugby teams, nations are respecting other rugby teams so much, I think we have gained too many respect from all the other countries. And people will come out against us not to lose instead of their old mindset of do everything to win. And that might that might count in our favor, you know. The fact that 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 people already now starting to, to work out how we're gonna how we're gonna stop the kick, how we're gonna do this, how we forget about those things. Ask how are they gonna stop us doing what made us us, you know. And if you look at at, at, at it's only New Zealand at this stage. Who can you can say this is the way they play? All the other guys, you don't know how they play rugby anymore. Um, so if they don't know how they play, how confusing it is. I said to a, a, a bunch of guys today, I say if you can get five players in a mini unit to think like one, nobody will stop them speed wise because the running lines will be different, the supporting will be brilliant, everything will. If you can get that, but nowadays. People are shooting out of the line. They can't make a decision of, of, of can I try this? Can I try this? It's, it's just, wow. To me, I think they got a very good chance to, to go back into, into, that, into that World Cup and go do what, what they do best, you know. The only, the only thing for them that, I, that I'm aware of and, and, and a, bit, have a bit fear is that they don't have a second team, you know. What about a 10? Peter, who do you think's best for there? We've seen that kicking at goals an issue. Love Damien Willemser. He looks class. Andre Pollard injured over the hill, some idiot on a podcast said. But apparently he's only 28. Uh, but who would you have at 10? Who's your 10 going into the World Cup, having seen Damien Willemser and Faf struggling at goal? Well, the two things that they do have now at this stage, um, I, would, I would nurse these guys to go play in certain games what we want to go play. If you want to go attack everybody, then, then okay, <laughs> With those centers, I don't think we can can attack much. But the two that they do have there now, I think Mani and, 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 and Damien can can take us a long way. But what they do need is they really need some exciting outside backs or inside backs to, to get the best out of them, you know. If Mani plays at, at 10, I don't think that um, any team will have a, a, a problem to stop set the box because the 12 next to him won't be able to, to catch up with him. He will what just... twelve? Who? Who won't? Dialande. What? Dialande. Yeah, Dialande. The, the big, the big number six. He's a monster. Do, do, what? Do, hang on. You don't like him, Pete? No, it's not that I don't like him. Um, to me, uh, your, your your most creative player should be in ten and nine, ten and twelve. You know. Guilty. If you <laughs> if you run, if you run, oh, if you get somebody to run over, you might might just give Jim a chance to come play at twelve. Come, let's run over other over people. It's that's not what the game was made of, you know. So, so we're making it a bit, a bit boring, and then at times, the people are watching the game and and give this accolade of of man of the match will give a man of the match title to some of these guys doing those things, and to me they're killing the game by 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 doing that because now they believe what we do is right, you know. There is so much room. There is so much room for us all to 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 improve. If we're only gonna gonna get to a mindset 
where we're going to allow the players to think and to play. With, with what we do have now, that bunch of youngsters, they want to play. If there's a bit of space, they will make the most of it. It's actually great to see we've got wingsters that, that make Mapimpi and, 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 and Corby look like, like beginners, you know, uh, if they're not there. But so do England. England have those players, but they, they don't create those kind of space for those players to go showcase. And I, and I believe that the experience that those international players do have in England, if we can just, if we just can allow them um, to go be creative on the wings and with their strength, uh, recycle balls and stuff like that, I think that big, big forwards, if they run onto that ball, you know, I'm telling you now, nobody will be able to stop them. But at this stage, they, they, are actually giving away space by 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 giving the ball away. I feel you, and I, I, you've gone hard at, at South Africa for perhaps not playing as well as they like. Imagine talking about England. I mean, Eddie Jones. You talk about a straight jacket and not letting these young players play. I mean, Eddie Jones. He is going to struggle when he listens to that as well. But uh, mate, Peter, thanks for coming on. It's great to have you on. Wish you all the best with the Death I, Rugby I, team. I, as I just well. need to tell you, Andy. I, I waited so long for you to invite me to one of your boxes. You know, and and. You just ignored me flat out. Did I? Goody. And to you, Jim. Apologies. Being 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 the top guy. Um, I think I must just rewind quickly saying to you guys, um, my condolences to, to Dory Way. Wow, what a brilliant and big uh, legend of the game. That man were um off the field. He was so gentle and full of jokes, and on the field, he made a joke of you. So um I wanna tell you, Jim, this I I, I got one dream still. Because I know you're a legend of, of the Barbers. Guilty, Peter, but <laughs> carry on. Carry on. I got one, I got one dream, only one dream. And I'm gonna put it in your in your uh, sphere to make it happen for me. I just want to coach the barbers and then I can die. Well if I can captain if I can captain it, mate, then we will sort well, out you the can, next you, game. You can be you can be the assistant coach close to the captain. Thank you very much. I'm going to make that happen. I am well connected, Peter. So let's make it happen. Maybe against South Africa. How cool would that be? Brilliant. Eh? Brilliant. The biggest guy in the world with the smallest guy in the world. But you know what our fear God is, uh, Jim? God only needed my brain. So he gave me a small body, you know. He needed your your big body because he know he's going to waste his brain. He's, 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 uh, you, uh. Jim hasn't got a brain. You're right. You know what? He gave me a big body, small brain, and something else that's pretty small, and it's not the food. So <laughs> I ate that bloke. Thank you guys for allowing me, and I, and I hope that we will catch up again. Thanks very much, Peter. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Peter. Cheers, mate. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.
Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Top bloke. Top bloke. Yeah. Barbarians coach. I mean, if he's asking me, he's, well, we, we heard from that. He's in good company. I think that if he wants a right hand man or a left hand man, then out of anyone that you could pick, judging by that, he's probably got the right man in picking me. So, well, do you know what I'm going to say? Anyone that's asking to be a Barbar's coach and is going to Jim Hamilton for help to get that gig is absolutely fucked, aren't they? Well, he also uh, said Damien <laughs> Delande is, is not a great player. But the big six. The big they six. Both what, the guy Am's not bad either. Yeah, he can't have been he can't have been talking about Am. But no, great to have him on. He's um a cultural figure of South African rugby history. And yeah, I don't know whether it depends if the barbarians listen to this, I'm not too sure whether they're gonna go for me and Peter, but I'll try and spruce him up for more of a job interview and talk about like how we can potentially pick Delande because I'll pick him at 12. So there could be a few kind of differences in opinion when it comes to picking the team. But that's the thing though, Jim, you talk about the Barbars. They've just had Razor and O'Gara as their coaches. The dream ticket is Hamilton and Peter de Villiers, is it? Similar level, it seems. <laughs> I don't think so. But geez, he's gone pretty hard at the Springboks there. He's called out Delande. Uh, he said they're not playing very well. He said something about Cheslin Colby and some other wingers making him and Mapimpi look like amateurs or something, did he say? Yeah, yeah. Aronson like, is making them look like amateurs, yeah. Can you imagine what he thinks about the England team right now? That's when you've Jones. got talent on your doorstep, eh? When you can speak like that. So, no, good to have him on. Different perspective on things, but, uh, geez, I'd love to hear what he thought about England. Well, let's head to Wales then. Jesus. What are your thoughts? I mean... I don't reckon it's all doom and gloom there. It's not all doom and gloom. I thought they played pretty well. Well... Until one point. That's what I put. Go on, Jim. Yes, Andrew, which we'll get on to. So positive, Jack Morgan. Yep. Said it last week, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I don't think he's Ali Surveyor like Shanks called him on comms. Alan Wynne-Jones, handling. Maul, very good. One-on-one collisions, better. Rio Dyer, not Kieran Dyer, good. And scored over 30 points against Australia. Unheard of. Um, so that was the good stuff that I had, Andrew. Anything to add to that? Well, uh, they actually played a decent brand of rugby, um, I thought. And they had, like you said then, they had the driving game, they had the power game, they went to wits as well. Anscombe was brilliant at 10, I thought, until he went off injured. And you talk about fine margins in rugby, right? Now, they're 21 points up with 25 minutes to go. At the point of Justin Tripperick, I was going to say Tipperick, but his name's Tripperick now, isn't it? Uh, At the point of his trip on Pete Samu, they ain't losing that game. I don't reckon. No. And I then listened to what Justin Tripperick said after the game. He said he didn't trip him. He said he Pete Samu kicked his foot. Watch the video. Deny, deny, Rick. <laughs> I know, I know it's denied, it's not, deny, it, Rick. It wasn't me, it was him. Yeah, and then you talk about on comms. Shanks says on comms, oh, he's done the right thing there for his team. I'm like, he hasn't because he's ended up losing you the game pretty much. So like Tipperick to deny it and say, oh, no, I, I didn't trip him. He kicked my foot was, I thought, ridiculous. The trip... It's a reactionary trip, but it is a trip, so, you know, pretty stupid thing to do. And that was the turning point in the game where they scored a try pretty much straight from the next line out, and then they go and score again pretty quickly afterwards. Then he takes Alan Jones off, and Alan Jones, if you can still goo, you can still goo. And he was gooing, right? 
there were some issues around what the coaches did, but I, I actually generally thought it was a really good performance from Wales until Justin Tipperick tripped him up. And that was, you know, he's smiling about it on the sideline. That was a massive turning point in the game. And now you're back with, if you're Welsh, you're going back to, oh, let's sack Wayne Pivak, you know, let's change everything, doom and gloom, where you could have beaten Australia. And I know it wasn't Australia's first team. You could have beaten Australia by 20 points at the weekend and you'd had a massive high going into the Six Nations. So I thought they played some really good stuff. Want to be positive about it, but point the finger at Justin Tripperick for his trip. Have you got a box Andy good at the Principality or something? What's going on there? No. Because I think you have been positive and rightly so. And you kind of sped over the Alan Wynne Jones substitution. I'm going to add another one into that. Falatau. So Wayne Pivak's taken Alan Wynne Jones and Talupe Falatau off when Tipperick's in the bin. Yeah when there's been a huge shift in momentum, you're taking off your two greatest players, arguably ever, to play for Wales in their respective positions. You're under the cosh, and you're a man down. You've taken them off. I don't understand why he's done that. Like, I understand, again, the World Cup, you could be thinking, right, well, the World Cup, let's see if some of these young lads have got it. He took Ken Owens off. I know Ryan Elias got Simbind and the Sheriff came back on. But I'm thinking, in a game like that, which arguably you could say it was a must-win game for everything that we've seen, the pressure that they're under. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I couldn't believe what I, what I was seeing. I, I, I didn't think at any point they were going to lose that game until I saw the great Alan Wynne-Jones, Talupe Falatau, and then off the back of that driving line-out, they got a penalty try, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, here we go. Yeah. and it, 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 I understand in some respects you've, you might be looking at Alan Wynne-Jones and Falatau and saying they've emptied the tank, but... Those are the two players you, you need, I think, for as long as they'll go. Whether they look like their tam- tank's empty, they'll find a way because they are that good a player, that influential. They needed that experience at that time when the momentum had shifted and you know uh, some old heads there to slow the game down and Australia just ran a bit awry, didn't they? And fair play, I spoke about him last week. He's got an average first name in Mark, but the best surname I've heard in a long time, Wananganita Waze. No longer need to wasse. Exactly. How good. I Told mean, you. It, we spoke about him last week. He was ridiculous, wasn't he? Uh, and you talk about World Cup cycles and finding players on these tours. He's a massive find for the Australians. Mark Wananganita Waze, what a player. Shane Williams wants Wayne Pivak gone. What do you think? Do you think he will be? What do you make of those comments? I'd be surprised if Gatland comes back in there. The whispers, aren't they? And the rumours. I mean, it depends what they look at. If they go down the Andy Good route of looking at the positives, and there were a few. Uh, we've mentioned Jack Morgan. We've mentioned the, the driving line out of the weekend. I'm trying to think if there's many more. Uh, Rio Dyer on the wing. The fact that they've shuffled around a few different players like Lee Halfpenny and they've managed to do okay in that area by moving Josh Adams across. But I don't know. Like I don't, Again, it all comes down to, is it really Wayne Pivak's fault? Well, I've just blamed him for taking off Alan Wynne-Jones and Faletau. But is it his fault when you look at the demise and you look at the state of Wales rugby? Now, here's a comment. I know you've just mentioned Shane Williams there, so bear with me. The Sheriff, Ken Owens, who I'm a huge fan of, as we know, and it's great to see him back. This is what he said on BBC Welsh. And so I understand Welsh. This is how I translated it. We need to stay tight and see what happens. What does that mean? What does see what happens means? And hope, hope Welsh rugby sorts itself out. That's a comment coming from one of your starters, one of the first names on the team sheet. The fact that they need to see what's going to happen. 
They don't really know what's going on. And rugby in Wales needs to sort itself out, which we all know. I know Cardiff won at the weekend. Woohoo. Like, yeah, great. But Shane Williams is saying that in terms of the head coach. I mean, going back to Sam Warburton's comments and everyone else's comments, Tom Shanklin's been talking about it for years. Where do you go? So, so you, okay, you bring Gatlin in, then what? Was Ken Owens asked, do you think Wayne Pivak is the right to be coach? Or what, what, no, he, no. What was he no, speaking the, the, in context of? Well, they're just context in general of the game. Right. And the alternation series. Like, that's his comments around it. Like, the, the fact that we need to see what happens and Welsh rugby needs to sort itself out. So that's a player that's currently... Not a Warburton who's retired in the media. That's a current player saying that things need to sort themselves out and he's got no idea what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the top end though, isn't it, that he's talking about. And yeah, there will be question marks over Pivak and, you know, uh, James Hook, another ex-international, you know, one of the golden generation, he's gone out and said they shouldn't have Warren Gatlin back. They need new ideas. So I don't know. Like if you're, if you're Scotty Robertson, you're just lobbing your CV out and saying who wants to pay me the most, surely, because they should be going after people like that. I think it's a hard one. When you're not Welsh... And I quite like Wayne Pivak as a person. He's been dealt a tough hand with all the injuries he's had and the player pool there has reduced significantly uh, the way the game's been run. They won the Six Nations a couple of years ago, didn't they? They've taken 50 against New Zealand. They've beaten Argentina. They've lost to Georgia with their third team. And then if Justin Triperick doesn't trip up Pete Samu, then they probably win that game. So, I don't know, it's tough, isn't it? Getting Gats back, does Gats... Gats has probably looked under the bonnet and gone... Is it a win-win for him? Because is the player pool there to you know compete with what he achieved with the players that he had? He can't get Sean Edwards back. Sean Edwards has signed a, a four-year extension to go to the 2027 World Cup for France. I don't know. It's, it's a mess everywhere, isn't it? Everywhere's a mess. Jim, do you fancy the job? Uh, no, I don't. No. <laughs> a reminder that tickets are selling quickly for our two biggest ever live shows in Edinburgh and London this February. We're at O2 Indigo in London on Friday the 3rd of Feb and Usher Hall in Edinburgh on Wednesday the 8th of Feb. We have some massive guests lined up. Tickets are on sale now, so pick one up for that someone special for Christmas or get the team together for a club social. Just go to ticketek.co.uk that's t-i-c-k-e-t-e-k dot co.uk and search the rugby pod well it was another cracking day on Sunday in the premiership Leicester a bit fortunate to win that one against London Irish weren't they uh, I don't think they were fortunate they obviously flew out the blocks and had a bonus point within what was it half an hour or something like that in terms of four tries but Irish are this team that We've seen it many times. They fight back. They've got exciting players. Van Rensburg was outstanding. He's lifting and jumping the lineouts. Have you ever seen a centre in the lineout gym doing the shift drive? I thought it was unbelievable. He's South African, isn't he? So they do whatever they want. Exactly. Um, obviously, Ollie Hassel Collins on the wing was pretty exciting. How good. Yeah. Quick, strong, big. He's like a horse. He'll be out of there soon, yeah. won't he? I feel bad saying that, why? but he's going to get picked up. Why are you being horrible? I know. Why are you being horrible? The bottom of the league. Are you saying he's going to Saracens? Well... I could see that. I could see, I don't know, like a Maitland or Alex Good retiring at some point and he'd suit that kind of rugby, wouldn't he? He's a very good player. I'm not saying that being London Irish, but if you're speaking how he is good, they're bottom. Yeah. You ain't going to play for England, are you, if you're bottom of the league? No. And they have been... Unless Eddie Jones is there and he likes Yeah, it. and they have been unlucky with a few of the games that they've lost. They've lost a lot of very tight games this year, but it boiled back down to the scrum. You know, when Leicester needed to find something within themselves to repel London Irish's sort of come back, just go back to scrums. And, it, you know, we're in November. As much as 
pitches are much better now. We're talking set piece is king in terms of winning games from November through to sort of end of Feb when the weather's shocking, the pitches are a bit heavier. And I'm I'm not sort of putting a blanket across all all pitches because Northampton Saints is great, but if you ain't got a set piece in these dark months, um, you ain't going to win many games. And England saw that on Saturday. Leicester went to town on London Irish's scrum in that last 15 minutes. It got them penalties. It gets you territory. And it's a very important facet of the game that is something that needs to stay in the game. There's been reports of of people trying to get scrums out of the game for a few years now, but um, it just shows the value of it. And, and having players like your Dan Coles, like your Joe Hayes, to be able to lock down a scrum at tight end and win penalties. And that's what happened. What's going wrong for Exeter at the moment? Because they started the season well, but they lost away to Newcastle, didn't they? Yeah, Newcastle played well. Driving all again. George McGuigan was outstanding. They have, they've got some of their bigger name players back in Newcastle. So Carl Ferns played again. Mickey Young's back at nine. And they were actually pretty sharp. But Exeter, ugh, do you know what? The, the squad depth there isn't anywhere near what it used to be. You, you think of some of those players that, that left last year, the Johnny Hills, the Sam Skinners, um, you know, a lot of their grunt up front. Uh, and they're just not the the force they used to be. They made a lot of errors, forced by Newcastle. I, I can't decide whether... It's probably Newcastle played exceptionally well. And we bagged Newcastle a bit this year in terms of underperforming in certain games. But yeah, Friday night in Newcastle for Exeter with some experienced players back is um, it's a tough ask. I used to love Friday nights up in Newcastle. Get the win, go out on the tune, and then just say you stayed in. So yeah, all good. But... When you get players like Carl Ferns back and Mickey Young with experience, it is a tough place to go. And, um, you know, fair play to the Falcons. My old club got the victory. Exeter aren't anywhere near where they need to be, but they have got players returning from the Autumn International squads. And it's kind of weird. It's real tough. And let's be honest about the Prem. It's been really tough for a lot of teams. I was at Leicester on Saturday. Leicester haven't had a home game in the Premiership since October the 8th. So 50 days it was. And they haven't had games for quite some time. They played Bath away a few weeks ago, but they missed out on the Worcester game, the Wasps game, and they had a bye week in that. And it's the same for a lot of clubs. It's been so stop-start because of what's happened. They've now rejigged the fixture list. And you're probably looking at it now and and saying that for a lot of teams, the season and the cohesion and everything will start to come over the next few weeks. So, yeah, Exeter will, will... I'm sure they'll have much better performances throughout the year and they'll be pushing for top four, but they're nowhere near where they need to be at the minute. Sales continued their strong start to the season, haven't they? Just edging Bristol. Yeah, and you look at the table, Bristol's 10th, London Irish 11th. Bristol should not be in 10th. They shouldn't, with the quality that they've got. But for whatever reason, and we might unpick some of the discipline or some of the handling errors and stuff that they put on show, but they actually rocked up against Sale, to be fair. So they were there, the scoreline was close, five points in it, but Sale just... Good team, aren't they? Well drilled. You look at the Dupree brothers at six, John Luke and Dan Dupree at eight. My goodness me. They are, I'd say they're the sign of the premiership in terms of what their output is week in, week out. The handling ability, the physicality and everything that underpins what Sale are, they're a good team. I just, for me, it's like I'm looking at Bristol and I can't believe I'm looking at them in 10th. And again, we've gone hard at Newcastle, haven't we? Newcastle are now above them in the table. Could you see changes at Bristol? He signed a seven-year deal, didn't he? Pat Lamb, what are you saying? Yeah, but the guy's the richest, one of the richest guys, is the richest owner in the program. Yeah, so. but they are underperforming. Let's, you know, let's not beat around the bush. They are hugely underperforming. Last year was a shocker as well. 
I don't want to be calling for coaches' heads necessarily because it's been such a stagnated start to the season for everyone with you know games being canned left, right and centre and clubs going under. I think we'll get a view of teams over the next sort of five or six weeks when there's a fair few Prem games this week and obviously post-Europe as well. And do you know what? It's an absolute dogfight. Saracens are head and shoulders above every other team. Uh, Quinns are playing some reasonable stuff as well. Uh, Sale Sharks are, you know, and we talked about who who's going to be the top sort of four teams. Stupidly, I didn't put Sale Sharks in it. But as Jim said, when you've got Acker van der Merwe, you've got the Dupree boys in the back row, you've got Visa in the second row, you know, you've got a lot, a lot of good second rows. John O'Ross is English, but he's not East African. He's playing the back. When you've got some big boys and you've got a set piece, you're going to win games. And Sale have got some decent components of that. Shout out to Sam James as well, playing his 200th game for sale at the weekend. Um, proper club stalwart, decent player. And there's a bun fight to get into fourth effectively, I reckon, because the way Saracens are going, the way Quinns, we know they can play, and the way Sale have, have gone so far. You know, other teams are playing a lot of catch-up and Leicester in that mix. So are Northampton Saints and Bristol are, are massively underperforming and some serious questions need to be asked sort of five or six, seven weeks down the line if nothing changes. Well, you mentioned Quinn's Goody. Danny Kerr inspired them to their win over Gloucester, didn't he? He did. Um, and you talk about experienced players, there's no one more experienced in a Quinn's jersey than him. I think the total meterage for his tries was about 3.6 metres. Well, it wasn't actually, it was about 36 centimetres. But when you've got a lead like that at a time when you know some clubs are missing players, there's been a truncated season, it, he's massively important. Now, watching the game and understanding how it went, when you've got Esther Hazen and... You know, Tommy Allen steps in for uh, Marcus Smith being away. They've got a good squad, Quins. They play a good brand of rugby. Caden Murley was on fire again. George Skimpton spoke after the game about how Gloucester started slowly over the last few games and they were 14-0 down away to Quins. But then it was a, a decent ding-dong. Uh, Gloucester had their driving more going. I tell you what, you talk about unsung heroes as well. Nick David at fullback was outstanding for Harlequins. Ironically, Nick David's two try-saving tackles were on the same player, Jacob Morris. So first one crossfield kick from Lewis Reece Summit of all people. Brilliant crossfield kick. You're thinking for all money, Jacob Morris is scoring the corner. Nick David hairs across the field from absolutely nowhere, makes a brilliant try-saving tackle. And then Jacob Morris gets the intercept in the second half. Uh, he's away, but then he gets caught from behind by Nick David as well. So shout out to Nick David. He played really well, especially defensively, which is you know something that perhaps you don't look at from his point of view, he's a really exciting attacking player, but he saved him two tries there, which ultimately was probably the difference in Quinn's getting the victory and Gloucester losing the game. Let's take a quick look at the URC. I guess like the headline out of the weekend's action was Cardiff winning 35-zip away at Sharks. Wow. Who saw that coming? No one. Who watched it? Who watched it? No one. No one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I look at it actually. And Thomas Young, big shout out to my old teammate, Thomas Young. He played exceptionally well, playing back under his dad again for Cardiff. Now, Cardiff were missing a hell of a lot of players. Obviously, the Sharks are missing a hell of a lot of players. It'd be interesting now because, obviously, talking about the South Africa game at the weekend, they're talking now about all these players going on, you know, getting on the beach and having a holiday. URC still going, lads. European rugby starts in a couple of weeks. You've got to be playing. So it'd be interesting to see how those Springboks fold back into the Sharks and the Stormers and all that stuff. But fair play to Cardiff. The weather was horrific. It was pissing down the rain. To nil the Sharks own, the, Sh the Sharks have never been nilled in the URC at home or Super Rugby at home. And I played for the Sharks and I was shocking. So fair play to Cardiff. Big defensive effort. Thomas Young was on fire. 
And that's the first time any Welsh team has got a victory on South African soil. It wasn't a great weekend for Scottish sides this weekend, though, was it, Jim? No, we'll just leave it at that. All right, shall we finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly? Uh, yeah, let's let's start off with the Wallabies and their fight back in Cardiff. They were 21 points down at one point. I spoke about them last week and we spoke about them earlier on, didn't we, Jim? Mark Nwanganita Wazi was ridiculously good. Nine carries, 77 metres gained, seven defenders beaten and two tries. Uh, in their comeback victory over the Welsh. So well done to them. We'll go over to France now. Racing get a shout out in the good this week. They beat Claremont 46 points to 12. Toulon get a shout out. They won away at Stade Francais. Not many French teams get away victories, but Toulon, uh, and especially with Dan Bigger going there soon, will be much better for that. So well done to the Toulon boys. Perpignan are going to get a shout out in the good this week. They beat Bordeaux 23 points to 20. Big win at the death and at the bottom of the table. So, um, yeah, interesting times for them. The Barbars are going to get a mention in the good this week. They finished off a few weeks of games against Saints on Saturday. They obviously played against Bath and they played against Quinn. So, uh, big shout out to the Barbars boys. A mention must also go to Zach Kibarigi doing the rounds on social media. But he did the old Felipe Contempomi celebration. Scores a try straight up the steps into the stands sits on the steps and starts clapping. So uh, I enjoyed watching that old teammate of mine, Zach Kibarigi from my Newcastle days. So big shout out to the Barbars. They look like they've had a lot of fun over the last few weeks. Uh, over to the URC. We go to Italy, Jim. Benetton. Oh, they're good now. They are a good team. Anyway, they beat hashtag always Edinburgh. So big shout out to the Benetton boys. Cardiff, we just mentioned them. They dominated the Sharks in Durban 35 nil led by Thomas Young, and it's the first Welsh team to get a victory on South African soil. Uh, Newcastle Falcons are going to get a shout-out in the good this week. Of course they are. Always got to get one of my old clubs in there. They beat Exeter 24-21 on Friday night at Kingston Park. Carl Fern's back. George McGuigan with his line-out drives. Uh, it was a good team performance. Another big shout-out goes to a big man here, Nemani Nandolo. He played his last game at Matteoli Woods Welford Road on Sunday uh, he's a friend of the show. He's had a massive impact at Leicester Tigers since he rocked up there a few years back. So well done to him. Uh, and he finished with a decent performance as well. Look forward to seeing him play Super Rugby. That'll be quick, won't it? Jeez Louise. I did message him and said thanks for coming to the live show. It was a long time ago, actually, but it felt like yesterday, as life is. But you know, he's a top lad. Yeah, he is. So well done, Namani. Uh, sticking with Leicester, Freddie Burns gets a shout out in the good this week, not only for coming to our dinner on Thursday night and entertaining the crowd, but also and mainly for passing 1,500 premiership points in Tigers' victory. So welcome to the club, Freddie. Uh, an amazing achievement by you. And I liked his quote. When I used to jump through over the gates at Bath when I was a kid and watch them, I just wanted to score one premiership point. Yeah, that wasn't and now, true. And now I've scored 1,500. So yeah, massive shout out to the boy, Freddie Burns. Uh, Sam James, I mentioned him earlier. He gets a mention in the good this week. His 200th appearance for sale in their win over Bristol. So big shout out to him. Uh, but the good this week, unfortunately, from an England perspective and an England fan's perspective, has to go to South Africa and specifically Kurt Lee Aronser. He made eight carries, 129 metres and seven defenders beaten. And he's got seven tries in his last six tests now. So the good this week goes to South Africa and specifically Kurt Lee Aronser. What a name, Kurt Lee. Yeah, he might just be called... Well, I'm James Lee, actually. Did you know that? Oh, are you? Yeah, James Lay. But I say Lee as in like Jimmy Lee, as in like Bruce Lee. That's just for people to know. Genuine. There we go. Genuine story. Call you Jimmy Lee from now on. Uh, Right, let's go to the bad. A few bits of bad to get through. Firstly, Gareth Anscombe picked up another injury in Wales' defeat to Australia. They were 34 points to 13 up 
when he went off, but hopefully his shoulder isn't too bad. He was in a sling afterwards. Um, Cast, get a mention in the bad this week, taking 53 points at La Rochelle. Uh, the Sharks get mentioned in the bad this week. They lost 35-0 at home. The first time they've ever been nilled at the Shark Tank. So uh, not a great performance by them over in South Africa. Glasgow get a mention in the bad this week. They took 40 points at Leinster. And sticking with the Scottish theme, Jim, just for you. Edinburgh are going to get a mention in the bad this week. They lost 24. Why? Well, they lost 24-17 at Benetton. But the Benetton are good now. Well, they played against 14 men for 70 minutes because Minotzi got sent right, off. Well... So, well Argentina had 12 men and still scored against yeah. Scotland. So, Well, Scotland put about 50 on them, Jim, so don't worry about it. Uh, Exeter get mentioned in the bad this week as well. They lost at Newcastle 24-21, but that is now four defeats in their last five games, so things aren't going well down at the Chief Chief Chiefs. One other bit of bad before we go to the very bad. Uh, Justin Tipperick gets a mention in the bad. His trip on Pete Samu was very, very costly for Wales, but then the fact he denied it afterwards and said that Pete Samu kicked his foot, so... Deny, deny, reaccuse. But I've seen the videos, and Justin Tripperick, you are wrong, my friend. You're probably not my friend now, but anyway, I'm sure he ain't bothered. But I think, uh, but the bad, and it's very bad this week, goes to Eddie Jones and the England team. Unfortunately, they got dominated in every facet by South Africa. Eddie's saying that they've got a good base; they're not far off, and there's progress being made because they're going in the right direction. Broken record, mate. Let's get the review done. Let's see if Scotty Robertson's available. And if it ain't, Eddie, wind your neck in and let's just pick players on form like Caden Murley and let's play an exciting brand of rugby. Pick either Farrell or Marcus Smith, but don't pick them both. So Eddie Jones and England, unfortunately, you get the bad this week. And then the ugly, few bits of ugly to get through. First, Florian Verhaeg uh, got sent off for a dangerous clear out at the Ruck for Montpellier against Bayonne. Basically, it was a shoulder to the nut uh, five minutes into the game. So he got sent off. Pretty early. Do you reckon you got a dirt track if you got sent off five minutes into the game, Jim? You're doing like an hour's fitness afterwards, aren't you? Yeah, well, I got simbined after 45 seconds and I was dirt tracking, yeah. <laughs> so that definitely happens. Matteo Minotzi gets a mention in the ugly this week as well. He got sent off for a reckless collision with Wes Goosen 10 minutes into his debut for Benetton with a flying kick to the face. Did you see it, Jim? Yes, I did, yeah. You mentioned yeah, Bruce Lee. Can't do that. You mentioned Bruce Lee earlier. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, we've seen a few of them. I mean, I've never been in that position and I watched my mate. Kovski can get round and house kicked in Barcelona once, and it's a great skill to have, but just not on the rubber pitch. <laughs> Very true. Uh, but the ugly this week goes to Thomas de Toy, who was red-carded for a no-arms shoulder to the head of Luke Karandicki for South Africa. Didn't make a difference. They absolutely smashed us, but we've got to give something to South Africa that isn't great. So that's why, Thomas de Toy, you're getting the ugly this week. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Rob, and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to get your tickets to our live shows in February. Check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Rugby spot. Spot a pod, 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 pod. (laughs) 